0: Thank you. I'm not going to edit anything out. This is the one rule of
1: this podcast: is I don't edit anything anyway. We've started. Uh, welcome to philosophy My name is. Uh, it's Willosophy with Will Anderson. That's the name of the podcast. I am Will Anderson. Uh, even though on iTunes it says philosophy with Will Anderson by unknown, even though it's there in the title, <laughs> it is actually by Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson. Uh, it is my semi-regular podcast. It's nice to have this guest here. We've actually. Uh, been touching base on doing this for a little while much uh much like this podcast works i uh, essentially months beforehand asked someone to do it it doesn't really work out but then it's like sitting around <laughs> for ages and it finally does work out so uh guest uh thank you for being on the podcast and i'm gonna ask you the first question which is who are you
0: i'm bridget fantasy and that's that's my name i um i am a writer and i'm a I don't know. I stand up comedian and a human. (laughs) I'm a lover. Uh, I'm how many answers do you want? Uh, there was I'm a, a very... There
1: is no requirement. You could have <laughs> You could have stopped with your name. I just like to hear what people say when they're asked that question.
0: You gave me a look like I needed to go on. So I was like, I'm... Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I failed the first answer. It's not even my real name, actually. Oh, is that right?
1: <laughs> is that like a show business name? Well, do you have a show business name?
0: I didn't mean to. Okay. So... I'm not going to say my real name because no. it's, it's actually worked out great. It's not like a fucking secret. I'm sure you can find it in two seconds. But
1: I've actually had a few people this on this like podcast. Slowly, it is actually slowly, slowly, slowly lowering itself. Lowering. We adjusted the microphone just before, but with the, in adjusting it, I feel like we've... Uh, I don't know
0: what I did. Yeah,
1: it's okay. We can fix it as um, it goes. Let's see how it goes. But yeah, I've had a few people on this podcast who work under different names to the ones they were born under. And yeah. many of them, like whether they be like rappers who have like adopted like a name for their job or, um, you know, I had Sovereign Sire on the right. podcast. You yeah, know, people yeah. who for a professional sense have taken like a different identity to the one that, you know, their friends perhaps know them by. Yeah. So I'm always interested in the idea of like how much your name or the name that you choose defines you and if it's different to the actual, like do you consider – the person whose name it is that you are known to, to be different to the the other person who yeah. has a different name?
0: Well, it's interesting because it a, it, it happened accidentally. It, it wasn't intentional. It was something that just, I started a company when I was 26 years old called Phetasy. And that was just my brand. I started, it's a word that I defined and made up. And it was, it it, it was like, nike or whatever just a fuck i mean nike has meaning but it it had (laughs) nike was a greek god but it was it had a it it was just a word i made up and so then i went on the road with my company because i'm like well i'm gonna take it on tour like a band because why not i'm i'm a one-man brand (laughs) and i did that and i never had a business plan for this company i sold greeting cards and t-shirts that was Uh the original Idea for Fetacy, And then I wrote on it. And I also had. Um, it was bonkers. It's still up. It's like a defunct website. But you can still go to com And see the original. It's coming down soon. So get it while you can. It's getting a, a reboot. Um, so I went bankrupt. I spent all this money on my company. And on my brand. And I never had a business plan. And I drove around the country for six months. I walked up and down beaches. Selling t-shirts. And. I went to music festivals and sold T-shirts in in the parking lots and like in the campgrounds until I got kicked out of Sasquatch for doing that. And people everywhere just called me Phetasy. They'd be like, Phetasy! After I would run around like a lunatic, they would just know me as that. And then when this was pre-social media, it was right at the dawn, really. So Facebook was still just my space for elitists at the time. And college people (laughs) could really only get on it so and I didn't go to college I dropped out because I can read and so I I ended up um when it came to being bullied into getting on social media which I didn't want to do but everyone's like this is how you this is the, you got to do your brand and blah blah blah
1: I mean that's the reverse of the usual uh, experience which is people being bullied off social media yeah. so I guess-
0: no I was bullied into it <laughs> <laughs> I wanted no part I'm like I have a website I don't need all this crazy kid stuff And I took Bridget Phetasy as my name because I'm like, well, if I'm going to be on here using this as a tool for my brand, which is how it was explained to me, then why not use my last name as my brand? It made sense to me perfectly. And then it just kind of I was like, okay, I'll just have that be my online persona Um, cut to. Me going bankrupt, moving back to L.A. I was on the East Coast at the time. Moving back to L.A., um, I was working as a yoga instructor and working with autistic kids. And so I became grateful that there was this kind of separation between my online persona and my offline name. Um, If you search my real name, nothing really comes up. You search Bridget Phetasy and you're going to see boobs and butt. And not that that's a big deal, but for people who have like teenage kids, I mean, there was a lot less of it than when I was working with teenagers, but now I I basically, those worlds all collided inevitably as they do. And I ended up having to um, like choose a path because I always had one foot. I was like, I can still always be a yoga instructor. I could still go back to school and like work with only autistic kids. But in my heart, I knew From the time I was young, I always wanted to be a writer. That was the first thing. And then I have more training, actually, in acting than anything else. That was all I did growing up. And so I think I I just always wanted to be in entertainment. It was just not something that seemed realistic and was supported in my upbringing. It was like, yeah, that's a cute idea, but go into marketing or something, quote, unquote, safe. It's interesting
1: to me, like, because the name thing I think in that sense, because I think that a lot of people probably have exactly what you describe. They have some dream of something that they would like to be. Right. But they have a foot in their backup plan. Right. You know, or right. they have a
0: foot in another life. Plan B.
1: And not even necessarily like, yeah, like plan B, not plan D or E or mm-hmm. F. Like another thing that would actually be right. another nice life. Yeah. They can just definitely go, okay, well, I don't want to give this life away completely because this is this other nice life that I could have. Yeah. I could be go back to be this person and go and teach yoga and work with children. And
0: I still and, go through the motions.
1: And have those sort of, <laughs> when that person has a different name, I imagine though, there might be a slightly different, easier thing to go, well, I'm leaving that person right. behind. I can be this person. Right. Whereas a lot of people still have to leave that person behind. They just have the same name as you. Right, you right.
0: Know? So t- it turned out to be, well, then I have now, there were benefits of this. So I ended up writing for Playboy. I waitressed for a long time and taught yoga, but I ended up choosing just going all in um, to the comedy and writing and whatever. So I just was like, all right, at 33 years old, I traveled around the world. I went to Australia for a while. We can get to that. And then came back and... um Got sober, too, for I ended up getting sober, which is a big part of my story, kind of my relationship to drugs and alcohol over since forever. And um, and then I really doubled down on just that one path. I went back to waitressing, which I swore I would never do when I stopped. it. I felt like that plan B, the waitressing, it was always this way of me avoiding becoming that horrible cliche of the the like wannabe actress trying to make it and you know I would I just owned it I was like I'm a waitress and when we went out my friends would be like no you're not you're right you know they immediately like rush to the like little antibodies like no she's a really brilliant writer. you know I'm like I'm that's how I make my money I don't I'm not ashamed of waitressing I really had to like it yeah. was humbling for sure it was humbling getting sober at 35 it was i i felt like um,
1: waitressing is paying your bills for you whereas writing is not necessarily not, doing it was that.
0: not it so, is now i so mean for you
1: on a day-to-day basis like i understand the temptation from your friends because what they're trying to say is like you know she's also these great things and right supportive of her being great at these sort of
0: things well and it's like nice, this embarrassment of but like that's the other thing yeah it's like
1: it's nothing embarrassing about waitressing no you know? i i,
0: I <laughs> There's nothing embarrassing about anything you have to do to make a living. I make no judgment on anyone's hustle. I don't give a shit if you're not hurting other people. I don't care. I have no. Life is hard. There's, it's not easy to make money. If you tell somebody to go make. $25, Twenty five dollars, and I mean not working for someone else. I mean, in America, we're the only culture that says make money. It's not you. You know, it's usually earn money. It's like we we have this idea that you can pull 20, 25 dollars out of the ether, and that is truly lightning in a bottle. But it is actually possible to do. Right. And but it is one of the hardest things to go do. So I have no whatever it takes, man. I don't. I don't. I don't judge because I've done so many things to. I've worked on farms i've worked i i you know did the woofing when I was travelling around the world like the trading work for or whatever I worked on ashrams it's i've traded yoga i've traded it's there's there's a million ways okay to. so
1: there's plenty of things in that that I'd love to talk about so let's talk about philosophy, like you know do you have one and then we can just wander through the yeah rest of the yeah fetisey.
0: So it worked out to my advantage Because I have nephews uh, At the time who were children Well I only had one nephew when I started Phetasy In 2006 And then they grew into teenagers And I was like One of the things that I really always pushed the Boundaries on was If you're a stripper or a sex worker Or if you're in that industry It's okay to get naked If you're getting paid for it as a model It's okay to get naked If you're overweight and you're brave and you it's okay to get naked if you're just a normal chick like me and you get naked for some reason everyone's like no you know there's a huge resistance to it nobody they there's no and I never understood it it was a button that I just couldn't help pushing so I'm glad that I took that name online because I decided at a very early time on Twitter when I was unemployed and like just getting sober and trying to find a waitress i couldn't even get a waitressing job at first i'm like i'm even worse than a wannabe waitress i like can't even become a waitress wannabe. Yeah. I actress. mean, I,
1: i've been going out for some waitress auditions yeah i feel like serious. i'm really close to they getting they need a headshots deal, right?
0: <laughs> they they demand headshots in la when you're trying to get a job waitressing it's crazy i don't think it's legal either but they definitely <laughs> do it and So then I as they were growing up, I'm like, oh, I'm glad they can't Google my name and have that stuff come up because they're young and I don't need them. They're old enough now. There's I think they probably know who I am online. But at the time, my sister was like, I'm grateful. And I recently heard Bluey interviewed and he was saying that he wished he had done something like that, like come up with a different name other than his own real name because of that Lack of separation between who he is in reality and his persona on stage and on television, and when I hear that name when I'm announced to come on stage, it's still always like a little bit jarring. I'm like, who's that? There's a part where I'm like, that's not me, but it's this trigger now. Of like you're performing, like you're on. Now you're this is your and there's I just love that the Bridget that's like cleaning up poop in my backyard from my dog is that is mine (laughs) like that that part of my life is mine and even being here with you this is mine and and to a certain extent it's nobody knows where I am and they think they know like it's like the surface of you know it's it's kind of optics it's like there's still – I still get to keep – for all that I put out in the world, which is a lot, I open myself up to a lot of criticism and, and critique and, you know, unsolicited opinions and bullying and whatever. There's a lot that I still get to keep for myself just because I have that separation of, like, performer and me.
1: I think that's a really interesting area that you're talking about, though, because I, I was asked about somebody recently because I don't tend to talk about um – you know, relationships a lot in my work. And mm-hmm. like a lot of that has come from mostly like the majority of the person that I'd been in a relationship with at different times was not comfortable with me talking about, you know, them right in that forum. And I was like, well, that's not their forum. And somebody was like, well, aren't you cutting off to the audience like w- all this thing about you? And I said, yeah, but I share, like I share stuff about my health. I'll share stuff yeah. about like, you know, issues I'm going through, like things that have gone badly in my life, all these sort of things. You don't have to share everything. You can can share. And like, so, so to flip that, if you are someone who shares a lot in the realm of, because a lot of your writing, you know, has been around the themes of, you know, relationships, your podcast, Mm -hmm. you know, is around the themes Mm -hmm. of dating and relationships. You know, I I imagine there are some people who expect that you, that everything about you is theirs to sort of talk about and theirs to comment on because you've offered some of it up.
0: And I understand. That I understand that You know we live in this weird Where we You know the Kardashians have really I hate to like even bring them into This but they they figured Out how to kind of commodify Just being you There they might not do anything But they did they did capitalize On turning themselves Into a brand and In uh, there's a great book that I read called mediated and it's all About the narcissistic kind of self-centeredness of technology and how in the modern world with everything being mediated and then now everything being personalized we're constantly being flattered everything is you know and now with the algorithms and the cookies that chase you around every your computer and your I always say your search engine knows more about you than your very best friend who might know everything about you they that everything is tailored to your you can tailor your news to your liking you can and Again, we were talking before the podcast about the divisiveness. I think that it does foster a lot of that divisiveness is just having everything telling you you're right. You know, everything is flattering your ideas of the world and ideas of who you are. And all the ads are tailored to your liking and your car is personalized and your music is personalized. And it's created this idea that any single person can turn just being them. All these personal essays, I write them, but... I was writing them on Phetasy for 10 years and then suddenly there's a market for them. I was like, oh, sweet. I've been doing this for a decade with 20 people reading it. But that is kind of the world we live in where your own philosophy, your own just being you is like somehow now uh, a brand because attention equals money. Well, it's nice. each
1: of those things, but the interesting thing is that I think that it, it, it's understandable to me in your world. You're somebody who is trying to leverage having a persona or a brand to make a living, right? right? Which is what an entertainer or a commentator, those sort of people have been doing forever yeah. in their various different formats. Yeah, yeah. But I think the difference is now that like everybody… Right. Is doing that. Right. Like, you know, so even if you have some job where it's not a requirement of you at all to have a Facebook page right. or a Twitter profile or a Snapchat or whatever, people are still curating this other them. Right. You know, their fetishy Do you right. know what I mean? Like right. their version of that. Right. Because the person they're portraying that they are on Facebook is not like, you know, if you only read their Facebook, you're like, oh my God, your kids have never cried. Yeah, yeah. And they were toilet trained like at 18 months. Yeah, and like, yeah. Because they're showing – or it might be the other friend, the one who only posts darkness. Yeah. Probably actually, yes, they had a really good time in the park with their dog. Right. But because they only ever post about, like, politics or darkness, that's the world you see. Right. So they themselves have this other person and this other persona and this curated persona that lives separate to them as well now.
0: Yeah, it is the, like, virtual reality world where really – kind of barreling into with not very much reflection again why i love this the book mediated it came out in 2006 and it is my bible i feel like he's the one person who's who at the dawn of all this stopped and was like um how is this affecting us philosophically and the guy even to this day every day i'm like he was so far ahead of his time this was pre-facebook and twitter and instagram and getting paid to be an Instagram model and all uh, being being a brand. He really s- predicted all of that before it was even what it is now. And it really wasn't even that long ago. It was, uh, you know, 11 years ago. But I feel like reading that book helped me navigate a lot of these. It is weird to have that virtual life. You know, I always say like, she's alive online, fantasy, She's like, I, I was, she's like I'm i like she's my little ninja she's doing shit and I can't tell you how many times I've woken up to like what the fuck happened what did she do you know like while I was sleeping like one time I wrote this article about um, Bill Cosby raped me kind of about my experience um, getting drugged and raped when I was 17 and then I woke up and it was like it had gone mini viral it was kind of like Ferguson happened and shut it down, which I'm grateful for. Because it's overwhelming when something like that, you're unprepared for it. You wake up and you're like, 75,000 reads, not even views. Like, I thought, you know, the normal 700 or whatever would read it.
1: It's it's rare that I get to share this sort of uh, conversation with somebody because it's rare that somebody's had the same experience. But I was recently, mistakenly, I must say for the record, and it'll make a great comedy festival show, but I was arrested off a plane. And, yeah, it was not my fault. It's a long story that I'm going to charge people to see, so I'm not going to go into no, it No, don't. But, don't waste it on me. But <laughs> the point being is the next day when I knew I was, like, all over the media and it was, like, everywhere at that stage, you know, because it was before it had all been cleared up and whatever. Yeah, So, yeah. you you got to be in a all you're doing that day is praying something really massive happens in the news. <laughs> like you're just going, please be a terrorist thing or something. It's I know. Please be like, you know, I'm sorry, I man, Ferguson was terrible, but it but took he's... the heat off me that weekend. That's yeah. all I'm saying.
0: Ferguson was horrible, but like not everyone in the world knows my date rape story right. that I thought like 20,000 people would. Re- right. I don't know what my readership is really. And, and... But when you're
1: going to share something like obviously as personal, yeah. and, and then not only share it, but, have it to I imagine in the process of writing it, relive it. And then in the process of then p- having people's reactions to it, either choose to relive it or choose to have to avoid. Cause the other thing is you can choose not to read any of the feedback, but in the world that we live in now, that means that you have to not go to Facebook or Twitter right. for like three days. Right, right. So you just miss everything else that's going on in the world. Yeah. It's not actually just practical to say to somebody, you can't read your at replies or something. Yeah, because-
0: it's not. And, and it's, y- This happened to me It's happened to me a couple of times It it happened to me hilariously I don't know if I've ever told this story I woke up and again Being on the west coast is always funny Because the east coast Sometimes I'm going to bed when the east coast is waking up And I woke up to Bridget what's up with you and Kanye And I was like what The fuck is Like what's going on now Did I like start a beef with Kanye that I don't even know about And some by the time I had woken it up, it had mostly been taken care of. Right. It was, and but and I had what, already got. What all was these... your
1: beef with Kanye though?
0: Apparently, it was right when the new album, The Life of Pablo, came out, right. and the like head of Pitchfork, which is a very huge reviewing website for music, had reviewed the album in great detail, and he attributed the word Bridget to me. He said he was referencing Bridget Fettisie for because i was one of the people who accused bill cosby of rape because of that article that i wrote bill cosby raped me kind of he must have just googled bridget and bill cosby and that came up and went no farther than that
1: oh my god
0: i couldn't write about it or really talk about it because at playboy they were like they have such like a the, from their own backstory and bill right. they're like let's not draw any attention to this we don't want there to be any confusion <laughs> and so I could never really talk about it. Now I don't care. I can and
1: but also what a like, I mean, what an amazing journey, even just in your life from, you know, writing greeting cards and like, you know, selling T-shirts on a beach to being involved in a Twitter fucking beef with Kanye. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> it's a, you never would have imagined. It makes sense though, because the
0: word phetasy means exactly this, like exactly what this is, is a phetasy. It's the definition of a word. So he, he comes, like he writes this review and then of course that was when Kanye was mad Uh, and he blasted the Pitchfork review. And I'm like, Kanye knows who I am. Like, that's kind of cool. Right. He's totally probably like, who the fuck is this Bridget Fantasy that right. I, I have? A, he's wondering, do I have a beef with Bridget <laughs> Fantasy? It's like,
1: I can't imagine that he can keep track of all his beefs.
0: No. He'd, he'd just be
1: like, oh, well, I guess I must have had a beef with someone on the way through.
0: <laughs> yeah, like he must have pissed her off at been some point. a big point. beef
1: day. It must have been between a couple other beefs that I was having that day. Oh,
0: my God. And so... I woke up and, of course, like the Internet detectives, you know, that they are. They were like this. They researched me and they're like, this is horrible reporting. And then it was all through from a Twitter or, or Reddit forum. Of course, the guys course. on Reddit were on top of it. They're like fucking CSI detectives. They're like, no, if you go any deeper, like she wrote this article. This And Bridget is actually a term for just a standard basic white girl, which I didn't know. But that's cool. I'm pretty basic. And
1: that's the, by the way, the ultimate definition of like a Reddit page. You've just like, I they are the world's greatest detectives. Yeah. Like they have the hive mind of Sherlock. <laughs> they often use it for terrible things. <laughs> yeah. But, but they do have those They use skills. it for good,
0: though, too. And,
1: but the other thing is, that's the classic forum as well, which is like somebody's like done the research on the journalism. Someone's historically dug into <laughs> the name and is giving They knew definitions everything about the, me. I was yeah, like, wow. Like, my God.
0: Yeah, they went deep. They had yeah. like found my page. They they were posting pictures of me that it was like a, it was like a wall where you walk in with the threads it was like the virtual equivalent of that like here's the like post and here's Bridget and she wrote this article yeah. I don't see any connection to her with actually like accusing Bill Cosby of anything and there's no way like Kanye would give a shit about her but you're
1: absolutely right every Reddit forum is like a serial killers basement <laughs> like you just walk in and everything's connected with strings like and you're strings. like this all makes sense now
0: or like an FBI's yeah. office, you know, like it's one of the two, depending on what they're using it for. Yeah. And then, um, so at the base, at the bottom of that, um, I found the original. Somebody, of course, in the Reddit, I was like, "Yo, find yep. me the original." They found it for me because they're detectives. And on the bottom of that, it said, "You know, it's still there to this day." On the bottom of that, you can go to the Pablo Pitchfork. Life of Pablo Review and at the bottom it says like this has been you know edited to it originally said like Bridget Phetasy writer and comic like was and it it corrected it basically it was like a correction so I woke up and it was already the correction was already up and my friends on the east coast were like are you okay I'm like what But that's the fucking thing about the internet is you're, you know, you're a little ninja personas out there like causing trouble and I'm just like sound asleep. I never know what I'm going to wake up to. Well,
1: I mean, even with the Cosby thing, because you never know where it's going to break eventually. No. Because people knew for years or at least it seemed to have been like that seems to be the story that's come out since is that plenty of people were at least aware or suspicious, right? Yeah. Um, And there'd been plenty of complaints, all those things. Like from Cosby's point of view, like, I mean, obviously he's a fucking monster. So like, you know, well, I don't know, whatever. He's a terrible person who did terrible Allegedly, things. Allegedly, yeah. yeah wow. Well, <laughs> yeah, whatever. I mean, if, if this is where it comes to, if Bill Cosby right, ends right. up suing this podcast because I'm the one who like.
0: <laughs> Great. Now you gets sued by Bill Cosby too. But
1: it would be, it'd be <laughs> such one of those things where of all things, you just like some days you'd have to go, Hannibal Buress? Like, it was a Hannibal Burris joke
0: that... Yeah. Like, I got away yeah. with
1: this. Like, I've been a horrible, like, serial rapist for decades. Yeah. And I've got this away with it. This fucking going to bring me and down. And fucking, yeah. like, Hannibal Burris doing stand-up one night is what... Like, so you never know, I guess, what that moment's going to be where something... And particularly when you put things out to the world in the internet. Yeah you never know if somebody's going to rediscover things or like, I mean, I guess the, the Trevor Noah thing was a good example of that when he got the daily show. Oh they went, yeah. They, the, t- the thing I that people tend all to do. I my old tweets. Yeah. They delete, they go through your tweets. Yeah. And if you go through anyone's old tweets, <laughs> like firstly, what we find acceptable as a society changes very quickly. Yeah. Now. Yeah. So that's the first thing. Like sometimes they go back and go, look at this like observation he was making about gay people 15 years ago. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, that was the common observation. Right.
0: Yeah. Right. Right.
1: Or like whatever, you know, whatever the anything. example is.
0: It could be anything. Something that I tweeted yesterday could be, I said something and I was like, mm, I feel like that's going to come back to haunt me. <laughs> like I said something like you don't see any of it, like the, all the people who are have like resist in their hashtag, like the hashtag resist people. They they're also like anti-gun usually usually not all of them but I'm like you don't see you know the people who are like resisting they don't even own a gun and then I was like mm, I feel like that's gonna come back to haunt me I don't know why I just it's like sometimes when you put a tweet out like that you're like eh, I feel like this could be. I don't know. Some, it's taken out of context or something, and it is funny to me because, like, to me, the idea of resistance is like well, it's just much you know, up. like the French Revolution, I mean. like.
1: But also, I think what you're saying is like just regardless of what side of politics you're on, um, it's hard to resist without a gun. If yeah, the, if the other people exactly, do guns, it
0: doesn't matter what side no. you're on. It just, it just yeah. seems like resistance in yeah. my mind yeah. seems yeah. like you need weapons. While <laughs> other people
1: still have guns, <laughs> at the very least, while other people look, I can imagine a world right. where like no one has guns right then sure you don't need guns to resist but in a world where people do have guns yeah
0: i'm not gonna like (laughs) no one gives a shit if i go on a hunger strike (laughs) they're gonna be like oh wow you know like are you dieting in la are you resisting no one cares resisting or pilot (laughs) says, yeah exactly which one is it bridget (laughs) tell us yeah, so I I do think that there's like that weird it is it is strange. There are I I used to get anxious about it and now I'm like whatever. I mean, whatever. I can't believe some of the shit I've written for Playboy has not gone viral in a, in a bad way. Like taken I'm I'm shocked that like the there was one I wrote, like, when men cry, I don't feel safe. And I, sometimes I write these things and I'm like, well, let's see what I can get away with. You know, it's like, well, let's let this one ride. It's how I feel. And it's my truth. But it's also like I, like a lot of the time I'll write jokes just for my editors, right. never thinking they're going to, like, make it past that first, second, third pass. And sometimes when they do, I'm like, all right, I'm going to let. So even that headline, I was like, okay. I thought for sure, like the feminists who are very much like, you know, come after me whenever I say like anything about a real man. I thought for sure they'd be like, this is more toxic masculinity. (laughs) Nothing, nothing. I was like, okay.
1: I mean, I think men's tears is something that, like, you know, it's a a cultural meeting point. (laughs) It's fine. Uh, Okay, so you—you actually are the first guest who's ever brought in a list to this podcast. (laughs) Um, It's on fantasy. It's on fantasy. So it's the fantasy philosophy. Well, because fantasy
0: did come. The word came out of my life, which has been. Seinfeldian in scope at times where it's just Phetasy basically means irony squared. It's going to get heady a minute, guys. So bear with me. It's when irony doubles back on itself and becomes literal. And it's basically those moments where I always try and describe it as a moment where you feel like you're the butt of a cosmic joke where you're like, oh, come on. Like it's too perfectly coincidental to be a coincidence.
1: Sure, I understand what you're saying.
0: Okay, so that happened all the time. And my life has been interesting and challenging and whatnot. And so I just have a philosophy behind the whole word and brand and. You want to hear it?
1: Yes, I want to hear it. That's exactly what I want to do. Well, there's steps to it though, right? There's like how it's many? It's like 11. How many? 11. It's the 11. 11 step.
0: It's good. <laughs> it's not a step program. It's more like no. the commandments. Right, the 11 commandments. <laughs> are they in
1: order though of importance? Like the 10 commandments, it doesn't seem like they're well, in well, order Well, they kind of, the of are. Are they?
0: I mean, not importance, but I, I think there, that there was sign- some kind of storytelling like logic to it. So the first one is you are going to die. (laughs) That's like (laughs) the first thing. And it's just something I always remind myself. And it's uh, there's a great quote by Swami Vivekananda. And he said the only religion that ought to be taught is the the religion of living fearlessly. And I think that there's a lot of truth in that that we hold ourselves back because of these, like, petty ideas about what we should be or even how long our life might be or just we forget a lot of the time that we're going to die. Most of the time, I think.
1: Well, here's, okay, so here's one of the questions I normally ask towards the end, but because we're here anyway, I'm going to ask it now. Um, what do you think happens when we die?
0: Um, I believe in reincarnation because I've, eh, two reasons. Mm-hmm. One, because it's more interesting. Okay, so until sure. you can prove to me that it's not true, I just think right. it's a more interesting story. In abs- I'm a storyteller. In, in absence of
1: certainty, why? If it, why if, choose the if boring yeah, one? Why, why choose the depressing or boring one? Yeah. If there's if the thing is reincarnation really sounds know. amazing. Okay, sure.
0: Two. I
1: understand that. Like I I can even though that's not what I believe. Right. I understand the idea of. Believing something for that reason,
0: yeah, it's kind of like well, until you can be like, no, we've scientifically proven no. it's not <laughs> true. I, I'm going to be like, eh, it's probably true. Yeah, right. Okay. But then, I like it. B, I've had experiences that I can't explain, and particularly like in Egypt, where I feel maybe the whole journey started. I just, I had, I, I've had things that have backed up that idea. Um, of and i'm i'm not even gonna go into it because it will make me sound like a crazy person but that i just have had moments where i i knew i had been there before Uh i just knew and i'd never been there or when i was in egypt they were all like do you speak arabic and i'm like i guess i mean it was like coming naturally to me in a way that No other languages have. It just was like coming and Uh playing Egyptian dominoes. I was beating all the guys in this coffee shop and they were like, do you, how do you know? It's like weird things that I can't explain. Knowledge that I feel I maybe had from past lives. I mean,
1: this, this feels to me like the the opening scenes of the new mummy movie. (laughs) That's what it feels like. Someone's on a visit to Egypt, yeah. you know, suddenly gets a few senses of like, hang <laughs> on, this is all coming a bit.
0: Have I been? Have I been here? Yeah. I had weird physical reactions to places that I've dreamt about going my whole life though too since I was a little kid. Bodily reactions and like um I don't I don't know. I don't I I think working with autistic kids if it taught me anything it taught me that there is just a shit ton that we don't know right. and i believe that even this i go to joshua tree every year around my birthday and i just go alone usually and check in with myself and i mean i could do that a lot throughout the year but that time particularly is special to me and i always feel like i hear kind of a a message for the year and the wind or whatever i'm totally a hippie and it's probably really good that i quit smoking weed but um (laughs) (laughs) this is me sober guys not on any weed or anything but this year in particular was like be comfortable with not knowing i just kept hearing that and there you know we live in a time and space in particular where i feel like everyone is like i know i know i know i know no, you don't. No one knows shit. No one knows anything. Like, look at what fucking happened is like nobody knows anything. And it's and that's how I feel about these bigger things too. Is is I choose the more interesting thing and also there are things that have happened to me that are more metaphysical that I can't explain and so I I choose to just believe that I don't know.
1: Okay, so uh, firstly, here's what I'm going to say to you is like the overall reason that I started this podcast, and I guess my overall like you know philosophy of life is that nobody knows fucking anything, right? right? No, nobody knows anything. Right. The reason I like talking to different people about what it is that they think is that my theory is the best thing is to hear from a whole bunch of people, right? Because right. no one has any, no, and but we don't know how to live our own lives, let alone that we no. would have these theories about how other people should live their lives. And the idea that like work is something that should be done in a certain way or that life is something that should be lived in a certain way or that the way that you should live your life should even be the way that i should live my life in any way. so with that in mind then how do you put a like a harness and a funnel on going well what is it that i should do though because if you feel like nobody knows anything how do you find the right guidance to kind of find what's going to be satisfactory for you to do
0: well i this takes us to point number two brilliant Live, (laughs) which is live your truth fearlessly. Okay. And so there's a big difference. Again,
1: so far, these both would have been also great T-shirt slogans or greeting card slogans.
0: (laughs) They are T-shirts and greeting cards. I just ran out of money. (laughs) 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 You'll be able to get them soon. Um, So live your truth fearlessly because my truth is not your truth. I have always been hyper aware. I moved every year and a half growing up. I was always the chameleon, but also the girl looking in, always. And when I think that happens to your brain at a very young age, you realize that there's a hive mentality, absolutely, and that there's also... Depending on where you're standing, there is a different truth for every person. What is true for me here in America is not true for the goat farmer in Afghanistan. And I always say to people when they're like angry at the other side or whatever, it's like if your family have been taken out by drones and you had nothing to lose, like you'd be in a very different, you know, perspective then you'd have a different perspective and everything that we have is filtered through how we've been socialized our family system our genetics which are play an even bigger role than we even think about our beliefs and now they're finding that we don't really actually make any decisions we are really just puppets of our subconscious and we think we're choosing things but we're actually not which is like a whole nother trip i could go down so to put a funnel on or a harness around, if nobody knows anything, how do you make a decision? I know that I I can only you know I, people were like oh your brand is truth I'm like no my brand is honesty. There's a big difference. I I want to live an authentic life. I'm always trying to get deeper and deeper levels of authenticity for me. I can talk about my experience. I my editors are always trying to tell me to be you know like an expert, and I'm like I'm they. I'm not an expert. I mean, I know thing I know men. I know I've had a lot of experience. I can share my experience with other people and maybe they can garner some wisdom for that. But I by in no means can ne- never really feel comfortable telling people what to do with their particular life because there's a million exceptions to every single rule. And all I can do is get to the, my truth at that time, which I'm always questioning Every time I have what I think is that, you know, I I think in this day and age in particular right now that if you're doubling down on beliefs on your beliefs, you're part of the problem instead of questioning those beliefs, where they come from, where do they even originate? You know, what? what, Why do you believe what you believe? And for me, that's constantly um, I want it to be constantly changing. And I want to be, because if it's not, I'm not really growing. I'm just defending my position. And I don't want to be defending my position forever. I want to just be open to receiving a new level of who I am and then try and live from that place. Live, live my truth fearlessly. It took me a while to really accept, like we were talking at the beginning of the podcast, uh, that I want to be a creative person and there is no plan B. There's just not. I have to go all into that. And the minute I fully accepted responsibility, a, p- a huge part of not accepting that was fear and a lot of other things. And once I really leaned into that um, truth that I was really trying to kind of run from in myself, I started getting paid rights, started getting other opportunities, doors started opening. So sometimes we're lying to ourselves a lot of the time I'm, I'm always aware that I'm you know we're hip- hypocritical in ways I don't know and have blind spots I'm not even aware of and I'm probably lying to myself right here in this very moment.
1: Uh, so uh, weirdly enough, that goat farmer in Afghanistan also had a beef with Kanye. That's, that is actually true. I
0: love you. He,
1: he got a little shout out on the on the most recent album. So <laughs>
0: yeah, um, he yeah. did.
1: I read that in uh, Afghanistan's Pitchfork, <laughs> which is actually where they cook goat on pitchforks. It's a completely different magazine. It's mostly recipes, but they do you for they did touch up. on that. Um, like, no, but I I'm like, going
0: to go deep.
1: I I I, I really like that, and I. Because, of course, the interesting thing and, you know, it's something we were kind of talking about before we started the podcast, is this idea of everybody seems so certain in their opinions at the moment. You're being certain... Like, I'm not even certain about how I should be living my life. (laughs) Why is there this constant demand in society that I be certain about things that I don't have any experience of? Right. Like, the truth of it is that I have my suspicions about how I feel about refugee policy or about marriage equality or any of these sort of things. And some of them come from, you know, knowing people and talking to people and all these sort of things. But some of them I just am not qualified to have an opinion no. on. And so often we're uh, – like you'll see, hear something on the radio or whatever and they'll be like uh, – so this uh, group of scientists have worked on this report for uh, six months and they've uh, surveyed half a million people and uh, it's a 98-page report but here's the summary of the one bit we're going to talk about on the radio. And then they talk to this like scientist for like a minute and a half who did this report yeah. and then they take calls from people going, what do you think? And these people ring up and say if it was good or bad and yeah. you're like – hang on you didn't study for six months and like you just heard the gist of it on the radio no and now we've said your opinion on this is valid no your opinion
0: is not valid no one of my favorite people anything
1: you can go away for a week do some research talk to some people then give us a call maybe we'll hear and they've studied
0: their whole life i mean that's the gist of i don't know if you follow tom nichols online he's brilliant um he wrote a book, The Death of Expertise. And this is basically essentially what he's saying. It's like you have these experts who yesterday when the whole grand jury thing came out, somebody posted a hilarious tweet. He was like, it is I, the grand jury expert. I'm like, that (laughs) fucking nails it. You know, like that is, it's like, oh, and here here comes everybody suddenly on Twitter as an expert in grand, like the grand jury. I was like, what is a grand jury? You know, I'm like, do I really even know what that is? Right. What, you know, before I like launch into it. So then I'm like, well, what is a grandeur exactly? I never I was joking with my friend the other day. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I didn't even know what the left and the right was before this election. I mean, that's not true. But that level of kind of just ignorance that I had to confront in my own knowledge about the way anything works, anything I don't know how electricity works. I don't even know how this fucking thing, this recording works. I well, don't...
1: me neither, but, and, and often it doesn't work. So, but, but, I, it, well, here's what I, I guess I want to ask you is what, what effect do you think that this age of instant information, so like, you know, the idea that we can now access, we feel like we can access any information in the world immediately, right? If we have a question, you can just Google it and you'll find out, not necessarily the answer, but you will certainly find an answer yeah. out there, right? Has that then in itself resulted in the fact that we all consider ourselves to be instant experts on things? I
0: think it has resulted in that, but I I think Brexit was a great example of how it seems that we are experts in it too late. So... It's knowledge, It's there's a very big difference between knowledge and wisdom. And just because you can get some knowledge doesn't mean you have any wisdom about the situation. Perfect example, everyone was Googling, what is Brexit? It was like the number one thing they were Googling. Right. And what is the European Union? So it's easy for me to Google, what is the grand jury? And then figure that out and then go online and make some <laughs> opinion up. But I don't fucking really know. I'm not studying law. I'm not... In politics, I, I hate even, you know, I sometimes write about these things and I always feel like stay in your lane, like you've had sex a lot. That's like something I can talk about. <laughs> I, I don't, I can have opinions about politics, but I don't have real knowledge or wisdom about, you know, there are people that I know who are much smarter than me and know the way the government works on all levels and functions and understands deeply levels that aren't even really spoken you know the the deep state and the the interactions that occur and i'm like i i I shouldn't be commenting on any of this those are the people that should be commenting on it but you see everyone commenting on it.
1: But we're also in a world now where we are demanded to comment on To comment on, on it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, a, That's you, why... a YouTube channel has comments. If an article comes out, they say, leave your comments under the article. Like, you know, everything, every product you buy in the supermarket, on the back of it says, you know, give us a call and tell us what you think of our, you know, croissants or tell us what you think of our bread or tell yeah. us what you think of our tuna or whatever. Like, everything is demanding you. Please stay on this call after you ring your bank right. to answer three questions questions about the service hey did you enjoy your experience renting this car from enterprise you know give us a thing out of five like everything i mean uber this economy that we live in now where it's like you know you have just had this car ride please rate this immediately we want your feedback on on what you thought you know yelp reviews everywhere everyone's we will be getting rated as
0: peoples you know like peoples the peoples will be getting we that will evolve to a system where it's like black mirror that black mirror where every b- person has a rating and you know they can rate you and you can rate them and it's just in our brains or whatever and it's like oh that person's like got a 1.5 because he you know pissed off Martha f- 5 years ago and she got everybody online to bully him and write bad reviews and now he's like A one point five star human, like we're on our way to that. Right, and it's
1: terrifying, but it's also one of those things where, like you know, that that system in itself is like you can get fifty great Yelp reviews for a person (laughs) person or a restaurant or whatever but they could be from 50 people who you would not trust the taste of no like you're just like oh hang on yeah all these people love it that's like al madrigal his
0: his stand-up that he does on his new stand-up he's like i don't trust anyone who has burger review writing time like like, why would i trust these people who write a paragraph about who have time to write a paragraph about a fucking burger i'm like exactly these are people that would annoy you in real life and you'd be like. shut up and now they have an outlet <laughs> I like, could, but i think that leads actually uh, transitions to number three
1: okay we're gonna pause just here for a second because i'm just gonna stretch my back for one second okay. And Also, i'm gonna get a little bit more tea, but we've got a perfect spot to okay come segue We'll go fast though. So. Number three. No, no, that's okay. Well, I mean, I, I like I'm already at my apartment. You said we'll go fast. I, you know, you're the one who probably has to leave at some stage. So yeah, but I don't want to go bore at, your audience. You can to go tears. at your pace. Well, literally they've come here of their own accord. <laughs> Firstly, this is the exact reason I've invited you on this podcast. So you're, okay. you know, so you're fulfilling the brief of the podcast. <laughs> Secondly, they have I imagine of their own accord downloaded and continued to listen to the podcast. So okay. I feel like everybody's given consent.
0: Everyone's you should feel consenting. comfortable, right? This is a safe space. I'm holding you a hostage. Yeah, number 3. Um so you were asking how how do you you know, we're supposed to comment? We were talking about that. Like how how do we how what there's that pressure to comment as a comedian and
1: have an opinion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And my number 3 is laugh at yourself. I mean, that really is my philosophy of life. At the core, I always say happiness is a practice that starts with laughing at yourself. And I grew up Irish Catholic and um, it's funny, one, like one of the, I'm dating a couple of guys, but one of the guys I'm dating, he, he's like very sensitive and he's, he wants like a little bit more for me emotionally. And I was like, do you know who you're dating? I grew up with a grandmother who prided herself on crying twice. I wrote an essay called When Men Cry, I Don't Feel Sick. Like, I don't. I, we, there's 26 cousins in my family. My dad's one of 10. If you showed any weakness or emotions, (laughs) you were chum in the water. I was like, oh, you're going to cry about that bridge? You couldn't. It was not, it was like my, you know, I always see these roast battles and I was like, bridge, you should roast. I'm like, my entire upbringing was a roast battle. That was, it's still the way we interact as a, an an East Coast New England family it's it's not just
1: a roast battle but they know shit about me they can really bring
0: yeah they know how to and they know it really stings like (laughs) they just know how to get you in a way that no one here will ever stand a chance that would
1: be me on the the grand final of the Jeff Ross roast battle they got the best comedians in the world and I've managed to get myself through to the final and then somebody from my family just comes (laughs) out and goes you don't ring your grandmother enough yeah she's so proud of you you and all you need to do is just ring her and then I cry yeah and then you get afraid
0: yeah (laughs) It's all I would do, actually, and now I know. Now I know your weakness. Um, So that I
1: I am actually like I, I, I I would say that like when emotions come out of me, which that they do, because I'm I'm a bit of a bottler up. Yep. Like often I'll bottle up my pain or I'll bottle yeah, I'm up not it's my healthy. emotions, <laughs> but then when it bursts out, what tends to happen is that happens to me in tears. So yeah. I am actually somebody who would probably, you wouldn't, you wouldn't certainly enjoy. I'm okay
0: with it now. Actually, I've made a lot of progress. I do go to therapy for these same reasons. I don't necessarily think the, you know, Irish potato famine stoicism that I've carried into my, into the 2017 is nece- necessary always. And, vulnerability is a sense of strength and to i i should embrace um like i said being more authentic i i don't need to i turn everything into a joke but i think one of the ways that i've learned to kind of comment on these things that i have no knowledge about or very little knowledge or as much knowledge as i could google in the 5 minutes that i had to google before you're supposed to have some hot take um is to just kind of be cheeky about it and laugh at yourself and be aware that you're a comedian who's supposed to just be at my job. Another one of my favorite books, I didn't realize I'd be talking about so many books, but it makes sense because they've informed so much of my philosophy. Another book that really informed my philosophy was Trickster Makes This World by Lewis Hyde. And it's all about the trickster mythology throughout history, historical times, and different cultures. And just... How it's like through tricksters actions all come they there's a great quote and it's like through their actions, all things come into being, so it's like he who dupes others and who also dupes himself, he doesn't necessarily have any morals, but through his actions, all morals kind of are established it's and I think as comedians and not all comedians, my role I feel as a comedian is to be a trickster, it's to push those buttons right. and so make like, fun of things and
1: um, your puck in Midsummer Night's Dream style character where your whole reason to be is really to like you know uh, create the mischief that yeah. other people yeah and it's mischief is off. the
0: perfect word for it and I feel I've always been that way I've never been a bad kid but I was always like mischievous I just like I. it's like I like being annoying <laughs> 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 Uh, So laughing
1: at yourself, uh, this is just a a, a kind of a side question, really, more than anything. When you are performing like comedy, do you ever laugh at your own jokes on stage?
0: Sometimes, because often in life, things come out of my mouth that are shocking to even me. It's like there's that smarter part of your brain as a comedian that just things come out. And I learned early in comedy that if I'm thinking, I should be talking. So, you know, we often have our sets or our routines or whatever. But if a thought pops into my head, like I one of the earliest times I ever did stand up was in front of like eighteen hundred people at this. It's a long story, but I in the middle of it got wet. I got aroused because somebody was heckling me and other people were clapping. And then I saw these blinking eyes and I was like, I have so much power right now. I I got turned on by how much power I had. And I should have just started talking about that because instead I was thinking and then I was trying to keep track of my set and that was the smarter part of my brain that was like, this is, I mean, I had no business being on that stage so green. It was like the fourth time I did comedy and I should have just opened my mouth and talked about it because it would have been hilarious. So now I trust that there is a part of my brain that is, is funnier than my logical brain. I mean,
1: that's yeah, that's an interesting thing right? because, uh, it, well, as I mentioned to you, I got arrested on a plane. I was going to a, a show in this country town. So we the plane landed at 4.30. The show was meant to start at 7. So in between I've been arrested, I've been questioned, I've gone to a police station, all these sort of things have happened, right? I get to the show that night. Um, the audience have been waiting for half an hour. So as I go on stage, they all know why I've been late. You know, it's been yeah. gone, gone right around town. It's been on the news and everything. <laughs> But I've had no time to prepare jokes or thoughts or anything that I was gonna and people can see because I, I didn't think even about this. Somebody filmed the whole thing, right? right. Filmed the footage, you know. Oh but wow. the first fifteen minutes of the show of me talking about what had happened. Yeah. And it's some of the best stand-up I've ever done yeah. in my entire life. Yeah. And every line's coming out like a joke. Because yeah. all you're doing is just talking about something very, very honestly. Yeah. You're saying what you feel and because you're the way that you've been taught to frame those ideas is in a comedic way. Yeah. You're like, oh man, if I just like there was times when I went back to the show, the show that I've been touring for six months, where every bit of it's how I wanted and the jokes wouldn't get as good a laugh as the bits I was improving off the top because yeah. people were like, no, this is the moment. Yeah. This is actually what we're here for. So yeah. I believe you 100% when you say if you'd started talking about that thing in that moment, yeah. that it would have been funny to the audience. It was a good were-
0: lesson. right? It was. It was, a, it was a powerful lesson of like, if I'm thinking I should be talking. So now when I have those things, I just say them. And some of my funniest jokes that end up staying in my routine forever are those jokes that came out naturally just uh you know, from that smarter part of my brain that has, has been trained to, and it is laughing. So sometimes when I say those things, you know, Dave Chappelle laughs at himself all the time, and I some I do think it's genuine. I think sometimes he, when he's just working his shit out at the store, you'll see him just start cracking up. And I do th- I get it. I understand that he probably just said something that like. Cracked him up. It was... And I don't have... You know, some people are like, I hate it when comedians laugh at their own jokes, but I'm like, I don't always know what's about to come out of this thing. Also,
1: I don't... I mean, (laughs) I guess it was a leading question because I am a person who certainly will laugh and that I'm on stage all the time. Sometimes because I've surprised myself. Sometimes it's often about... I'm expecting one reaction from the audience right. and they've given a different reaction right, right. And you're just laughing at the incongruity of the moment. Or sometimes you chuckle because something that normally gets a huge laugh didn't get a huge laugh and you're like, oh shit, what what happened?
0: Yeah. Oh, no, this is going That's so That's well. the weird what thing about comedy. Now? Yeah.
1: Like, so there are so many reasons you laugh. Or but-
0: sometimes it's something that happened in the audience or sometimes I just have a moment of like, oh, this is so weird that I'm doing this. Right. I'm on a rock in space talking to a microphone. It's just a weird thing to do. And like, I'll go on some fucking trip in the middle of my, and then I'm like, oh, I'm talking, (laughs) you know, you're like, oh, I'm supposed to be telling jokes. Yeah.
1: Well, the thing that I would always say is that I would not eat at a restaurant where the chef would not enjoy his own food. Right. So if the comedian, if the comedian occasionally enjoys the thing that you're also meant to be enjoying. It does not put me off in any way. I think
0: it really tells. I mean, one of my friends, Becky, that we were talking about, Robinson, amazing comedian, she just enjoys the shit out of being on stage, and you can tell every minute of her her being on there, she just loves, and that is infectious. It's infectious to the audience that that, the person that's performing for them is having such joy doing so, and I think that that...
1: I think the other thing is, too, that there is a, an element. I don't know if you're into sports at all. but Oh, I, yeah, I love sports. Okay, so to, well, to use a sporting analogy, it doesn't really matter what sport, but let's say you're an American football player, right? So when you're in your pre-season and you're training for the games, you're certainly running drills and they've certainly got a whole book full of players that you'd be practicing and whatever. But at the end of the day, you can't practice every move or what would differentiate the good players from the great players is the people who can do all that training but then on the day when they're in a circumstance that doesn't present itself in training, be able to combine like two or three of those things that they know naturally in that moment to execute that play. Right. And sometimes as a comedian, we forget that like you can just go, oh, no, 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 I've got all these skills. I can can improvise, I can talk, I know where I'm going, I can get back to my – or whatever – Maybe just be in the moment. Yeah. But I also think there are two very separate states of comedy. This has got me into one of these areas that I love to bore people about, so I apologize for this. No, I love it. I think there's two really distinct states of comedy. And one of them is creation and one is recreation. Right, right. right. So basically most of the time when you're on stage, you're recreating. Right. You're trying to recreate that moment where that funny thing happened or that emotion that you first felt when you had that observation. You're trying to recreate that for the audience, right? Right. And often you have to be surprised by a punchline you knew you were going to say. Like you're recreating a moment. But like you said, that moment might have happened the first time authentically in a moment of creation. And it's often why you can do a joke the first time in the moment and you can do that joke for the rest of your career it can go well, but never quite go as well as that first moment. Right. Because one was creation and one was recreation. Right. So if you can have that moment in your shows where you're not just recreating, you're actually creating in the moment, then I think it just, it paints a more interesting palette.
0: I think that's such the genius, you know, the part of, it's not just being a good joke writer. It's not just being... Able to perform, it's it is that ability to make the thing that you're saying seem like you're saying it for the first time. That is so hard to. I it, uh, I. It's different than playing music in that respect. They can get up and play a song, and everyone wants to hear it the way they hear it on the radio. They want to hear what they're expecting to hear. You you don't have that same luxury in comedy. It's there. They want you to sound like you're making that shit up. As you're standing on stage in front of them, even if they've seen you more than once, they want to be surprised. (laughs) And even as a comedian, it's hard not to get bored with your own material and and make it fresh for yourself. But I think that when I say laugh at yourself, I mean that literally laugh at yourself, but also don't take yourself so seriously. And I think if you can incorporate that playfulness into your own performance and in life and online where it's like yeah here i am the expert on the grand jury if you can if i can comment on these things with that kind of whimsical mischievous playful attitude of like i'm not an expert but here's my dumb opinion that shouldn't matter it's
1: interesting isn't it though because Like I'm a person who through my work can easily like – that. I am often the butt of the joke. Right. Even if I'm talking about a bigger thing, eventually the joke will eventually kind of be back on me. Right. However, there is a self-seriousness to yourself still that like it's occasionally when I fuck something up in my life, like, you know, when you make a big mistake Mm -hmm. and you're just like, oh, this is a thing that like I'm just like – and you'll be so hard on yourself and you can beat yourself up. And and perhaps that is an important part of the process, by the way. But there is also this bit where sometimes you have to just say to yourself – yeah, you made a mistake. Yeah. Because guess what? You're not perfect. Yeah. Like you are literally like a human being who fucks shit up all the time. Why did you even expect that you would just continue to nail things all the time? Of course it makes sense that you fuck something up. You're yeah. a moron.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we don't... I mean, this leads into number four. Right. Embrace it all, good and bad. It's... it. I mean, we'll get to... We're coming up on like some... A lot of these kind of tie in together. But... Embracing all good and bad is exactly that. it's it's like be able to embrace. In Buddhism, they say all suffering basically comes from the inability to accept reality as it's presenting itself. Mm -hmm. It's wanting something differently than what we have. That's all suffering. And if you can just accept whatever is presenting itself to you, you can diminish a lot of your own suffering and be, I think, more effective in the world. Are you laughing at that? No, that's
1: just such a great insight. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking of all the times when I feel like it really does come down to that moment. It's of just, just going, so simple, yeah, you know. You're like you're mad that like you go, oh, this traffic's bad, and you're mad because you wish it wasn't bad, right? Whereas, as because opposed to you going, didn't leave yeah.
0: and, and give yourself enough time and. You know, there's this lack... Or also
1: just the fact that sometimes traffic's bad. Yeah. Sometimes even if you've done all the right things... Sometimes life is bad. The nature of traffic is that sometimes traffic is bad regardless of what you've done.
0: It's been a big lesson for me in particular in sobriety because I was used to always being able to alter my my way of feeling even with a chemical. So... If I didn't feel bad in traffic or if I I felt bad in traffic or in life or anything, I could alter my state. Taking all of those tools away, I was like, oh, shit, we're going to need to come up with some more tools. (laughs) (laughs) Meditation became a very big one for me because I love meditating because it is that ability to get on top of your brain where... You know, people think you're supposed to just have no mind. No, you're supposed to sit and observe your mind at work. And then if you have those blissful, amazing moments, even seconds of stillness, they are terrifying for me and also (laughs) incredible. But they're terrifying for me because you're like, it's all a lie. Like the construct of time is lie. All of this is like the the future and the past are a lie. I have like this moment of peaceful stillness, followed by like terror that I can't explain. No, but I I
1: I understand that because like uh, this podcast is irregular, partly because
0: it's the hardest of
1: my podcast imaginary radio empire to coordinate. But, <laughs> but what I have <laughs> you're what building I, one. <laughs> what I've not imaginary. What I have also um, noticed is I think that's how I feel at the end of each of these podcasts. I do. I often walk away with them with a sense of going. Well, what is lo- like... Yeah, I what's can't, it all for? Yeah, I can't do this yeah. regularly because I still have to do shit. You I'm should like, have I still called have it pay-
0: Will's Existential Crisis. Right. <laughs> I still have to pay my bills.
1: You know, like straight after you've had a really good chat. And you're like, oh, why do I even have to pay this gas bill? Yeah. This makes no sense. Yeah, Who yeah. owns gas?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is gas even? Where does it all come from? I know. I, I mean, this is another one of the things I joke about is coming into you know I'm in a 12-step program because I can't and that's a whole nother topic but I really needed just sober friends <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that's why there are a lot of other benefits that I didn't foresee but mostly I was like I don't know any sober it was people it's a
1: good good place to meet sober people. yeah
0: and I mean that was it that's the the only way and one of the things I always say is, let go and let God. And I'm always like, and on stage, I'm like, let God what? Like, pay my rent? I'm pretty sure my landlord's not going to be stoked. when I'm like, don't worry, this month's on God. <laughs> like, doesn't even fucking make sense. You still have to, you know, all these like deeply spiritual insights and you still exactly have to pay your gas bill or sit in traffic or... What, whatever like you you still have to deal with reality which is why i really always loved buddhism because i do feel that it's grounded in more of the neuroscientific stuff we're proving in the brain and the idea that this is kind of all virtual reality simulation anyway even if it It might actually be according to Elon Musk. But even if it's not, it kind of is anyway. We do create our own reality to a certain extent.
1: I know. But if it is an actual just virtual reality simulation, could whoever is making my back hurt so much (laughs) stop doing that? (laughs) Just stop it. If so this is babe, all a simulation, why did you, can't I fucking tie my shirt? Did you actually
0: hurt it or did you is it like just a random I mean it random, did feel like it
1: just started hurting, like I'm in some sort of simulation.
0: <laughs> Someone was like, No, nah, this guy he needs some pain. <laughs> he needs
1: some pain. That's he what He needs it really some needs. back
0: pain to deal with. It, it's, I, I mean Bruce well Bruce Willis Bruce, Bruce Willis not Bruce Willis. It's rare Bruce that he Lay. gets brought
1: up, but fair
0: <laughs> he's got a beef with me. It's today. my philosophy. <laughs> you be kaye, motherfucker. Uh, that is. A great philosophy. I mean that is a good one. If Bruce <laughs> wants really... to come on <laughs> as
1: John McLean. Like when I ask him who he is, I hope he says John McClane, And then he tells me his philosophy as UPKO motherfucker. And then amazing. we talk for 90 minutes about that. About how that really got him through the trouble of the Yakutomi Plus.
0: <laughs> it hurts my mouth to laugh. I had mouth surgery and it's painful for me to laugh this hard right now. Um. So yeah, embrace it all, good and bad, because we have this tendency to want to embrace the only the good, and that's just human nature. But the bad is what's made me grow. The bad, you don't. I don't have to work. Use the tools that I have for that I've collected in my life of trying to evolve get to those deeper levels of authenticity when I'm just cruising along, no traffic, open road, music blasting. It's when I'm sitting in traffic, you know, people, when I used to go work on hippie farms all over, I'd be in Santa Cruz and they'd be like, I don't know, man, like LA, how do you live down there, man? And like, there's no peace. And I'm like, take your fucking hippie shit and see how peaceful you are sitting in traffic. Let's see that I don't I it's easy to be out kumbaya sitting in Santa Cruz at a potluck you fucking hippies like come down and where the work is necessary and let's see how that holds up because your practice means nothing in Japan they take the um, training like Buddhist monks to the subway at rush hour for their meditation so that they can it's easy to like be peaceful in a cave with no distractions (laughs) we were in this meditation class once <laughs> and somebody's phone went off and everyone got annoyed. And the guy who was running the meditation was like, everyone turn your phones on. And so that way it was like dinging. And he was like, it's no good for you to sit here and learn how to meditate and observe your thoughts and, you know, get in touch with like reality. If you can't be, if the slightest ding of a phone, irrit- it upsets that inner peace.
1: Yeah. It's a good point. You can't take Bali with you yeah do you know what I mean like you've got to literally learn how to you do you can't that.
0: just like have Byron Bay and yeah. you forever
1: yeah I went to Bali and did a meditation course and I feel at peace yeah I went to Bali and stayed in a villa and I got pretty much the same level of relaxation yeah because <laughs> it was Bali we're yeah on holidays.
0: exactly and it's beautiful and you're yeah you can't if you can take that with you everywhere then you're you're growing Yeah, so.
1: okay that's good I like that so what are we up to Number
0: um, we're getting there there, we'll move through these quick. We don't want. Well, there's
1: no rush. I'm not. I'm just saying. What number? Love are we as up many to?
0: people as you can. Is that
1: five or six? Mm, five. Five. Okay. Yep. Uh, no, I meant as many people. No. <laughs> yeah, that's five, five people. Yeah. <laughs> <Is it> five <laughs> or six people.
0: Six now that you're, I met you. But that's my max. <laughs> it's as many people as yeah. I can. That,
1: that's five and six. It's love <laughs> as many people as possible and sixes and one more. If and you need one to, more. If, in, for exceptions.
0: I think that, yeah, love What it. do you mean by this? Um, I think when I wrote it originally, it was like, don't be afraid to get your heart broken. Mm. Like really let yourself love. And But I also think... For me now, 10 years later, it's more trying to be compassionate instead of judgmental. What you judge, you become. So in my experience, what I judge, I become. So... You know, I used to judge like vegans for a long time and now I slowly find myself like slipping into veganism just because it feels better and I have more energy, not because of any like philosophy, although the philosophy makes sense. And so it's one of those I've become every, you know, I do a lot of jokes about how should I get Botox because everyone's always pressuring me to and I haven't yet and. Like, this, this is like but my is, doctor told me I had age, which I was like, AIDS? And he's like, no, no one dies of AIDS anymore. Age. And I was like, okay, no. simmer down. A, he, lot of, a lot of
1: people die of age, though. Yeah, everyone like, dies of age. Well, not everyone, but like a <laughs> lot of people.
0: And so he, those are things that I've joked about, but now I'm like, eh, it might be time for Botox. Well, that, is
1: there not some probably thought in that? The, the idea of why you're vociferous about it one way in the first place is yeah. because it triggers something in you. Yeah. That like a lot of the time I find people who have a like because I'm vegetarian but I'm not vegan and um, I feed my animals meat like you know yeah. like we all make a range of you know uh, concessions yeah like, you know <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and variety of hypocrisies and all those sort yeah. of things. Um. <clears throat> but I often find that there are some people who you're like. I think you would actually be into being a vegetarian and I feel like the reason that you're so anti it is because that there's something about the philosophy of it that, you, that actually you do respond to. Yeah. So you have to be so far the other way. Yeah. Like to kind of drown that out. Oh, Because like if you when... let yourself think about going, like there are some people who don't give a shit at all. They're yeah, like, I, whatever. Hunt, I hunt food, I eat food. Who cares? I, who cares? We're top of the food chain. Yeah. I'll eat whatever I want to eat. I'm Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. I laugh at vegetarians. Yeah. Like, Totally fine, Whatever. but there's another group of people who you always feel like their protestation is like, you'll be a vegetarian at some stage. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the reason yeah. you're so mad about it is you th- feel like it makes a lot of sense. Well, but and then like I also. generally
0: <laughs> have issues with hypo- hypocrisy, which I am always aware of my own, but that's also comes out in a lot of my self-deprecating humor, which I think most self-deprecating humor is making fun of your own hypocrisies to right. a certain extent, but also like the vegans who are always talking about being vegan, I'm like, uh, you know, and I'm like, oh, you're vegan. That's so cool. You know, who else is vegan? Like a third of the global population. It's called poverty. Like you don't get to fucking be smug about something. A lot of people don't have a choice about whether or not they have to endure.
1: Well, it's the hundred percent right theory again. Right. right? It's what we're coming back to with this idea of going like you can, I have no problem with being like, Hey, Jesus Christ. I found Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ saved my life. You know, whatever. Great. But, but when you go and this is what would save everybody <laughs> you know what I mean and it doesn't matter what it is if you don't want to eat me that's don't so eat meat, human right? it's so
0: human to want to be, why like, do you have to be like I found this right. and now I'm going to apply it to the world it's right. like a very you know dicta- I feel thing, like we're all little my,
1: dictators this thing solved all my problems yeah I know that my problems aren't your problems but anyway try this anyway
0: there is a capacity for really any of us to become a dictator even JK Rowling I kind of see it online she's leaning into the dicta- like the dicta- she could be a dictator course, if she wanted to well,
1: be she literally created her entire world where she could determine people's facts <laughs> right. of course she has some sort of di-
0: but I'm starting to see hints of it right. well, <laughs> now
1: she's bored now that she's not writing yeah, books she's exactly. like- got
0: billions of dollars and she's like oh, I can tell a lot of people yeah. what to do yeah, exactly. why not why I'll not? go on Twitter I've I got, got 10 audience. million people who follow me Right. and instantly that little dictator comes out all parents are dictators that's their job yeah, but they
1: have to be, right? Like, I mean, because it's kind of worse not to be a dictator. Well, who knows? But I imagine, like, in a general sense as a Yeah, parent, you need certainly to... Certainly in the establishing years. Yeah. There's some certain, like requirements of you to pass on knowledge you can't just go they'll work it out
0: like, <laughs> that's what my parents said <laughs> i mean
1: but even to a certain degree i mean degree, that's why my like, own
0: 11 point philosophy i wrote a whole essay today i was talking about about how jay-z because my parents were like now nah, you're on your own at 12 and they i wrote a whole philosophy about or an essay about how jay-z taught me like was more of the mother to me than my own mom because mm. i didn't have that's
1: ga- that's gonna reboot <laughs> Kanye as well that's the problem
0: this is up. Kanye side. has a yeah. beef with me. It's like it's cause, Cause Jay-Z was my mom. you constantly
1: supporting Jay-Z. <laughs> you didn't even get a mention.
0: Jay-Z was my mom. <laughs> All right. Um, love is, ma- I, I just think it's being more compassionate. And also, by the way, more compassionate with myself. Yeah. I didn't love my, I, I, self-love does not come naturally to me. Again, Irish Catholic, probably a lot of the upbringing. The, nobody's allowed to get too big for their britches in the Irish like the Irish system. And when I was in Ireland last year, I'm like, oh my God, I'm Irish. I'm so Irish. I didn't realize how Irish, because they're like, wow, you can like, you're like, you're like pretty much like an Irish woman. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't really realize how Irish in philosophy we were raised to be where no everyone keeps everyone at this like no one can get too big no one. so coming out to California where you need to have a delusional amount of confidence to even get anywhere in this industry has been challenging because you do have that even being an alcoholic I kind of swing between delusions of grandeur and like crippling bouts of self-doubt and depression in, and so I'm always trying to kind of have the same compassion for myself that I would have for other people and vice versa and not be so judgmental and understand that I'm the problem. Like when there's a problem, I'm, the, I, I'm usually the problem in some way, shape, or form, even if it's not always evident or something I want to look at. Um,
1: Interesting. All right. Next.
0: Next. We have, uh, you can change the world. J.K. Rowling, hey Okay, here we go. All right. <laughs> uh,
1: so, when you say you can change the world, I mean, that's the thing that people are told, you know, it's part of this kind of... It's
0: underlined for the record, and it's the one word that's underlined, can. Well, it's, You can change the world. But here's the thing. <laughs> we, we get
1: told that, right? That was what Barack Obama told like people. That was his slogan. Yes, yes we can, you know. And yeah. we're told this every day, that you can be president or you are the person who will win wow, the lottery. I think
0: we've realized it's true. But, yeah. <laughs> the,
1: but the point being, well, I mean, I, I could be. I mean, I'm sure I was born in I mean, country, give it 10 years. But I'm a white man. You may be able to like, be president yeah. in Australia. <laughs> I'll just hide my birth certificate. Yeah. It'll be
0: fine, guys. It'll be fine. <laughs> you could marry an American. Oh, no, you have to be born you here. Have have yeah, yeah, born. yeah, You yeah. actually have to be a born American. So you um, could lie. But the
1: idea being that, I guess, you are sold this all the time. It's the aspir- aspirational nature of our society is that, like, you know, you could be the person, if you put your photos on Instagram, you could be the one that has the 90 million followers and, you know, yeah. the, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is, like... Can we actually change the world, or is the world I, set up for the people at the top of it so no, much? No, I think you can. People
0: I think you can in little ways. And I've, again, noticed this. I noticed this at funerals a lot. Um, just the effect that one person might have had on so many people when you go to these funerals that are standing room only. Or I lost a lot of friends at a really young age. And so death has made me realize. I was at this pageant of the masters uh, two days ago in Laguna, and it's where all these people do the great works of art, and the actual humans come out in costume, and they freeze and they replicate them with like um, the so, it, they basically duplicate these works of art, and they look exactly like the works, and it's crazy, and. There was this whole story about this woman, Emma Hart, and she was this muse, all these painters, but she affected, you know, she's in all these paintings. Just the it's the butterfly effect. Maybe you won't live to see it, but you might, you know, inspire somebody. Just maybe your podcast will inspire someone who then goes on to like become a dictator. <laughs> or. Do something great. Yeah,
1: somebody's like, I, I had this 11-point plan. Someone I changed a couple that, of things.
0: But to be honest, <laughs> it really worked out quite well. Someday this <laughs> might come back to haunt yeah. us both. Like, when we're it, in some fantasy so, prison camp, and so, I'm like, this is a fantasy." They're is a using defin- my rules. This is a definition of the word. I this ended is, up in my own prison
1: camp. Yeah, under your own rules that I yeah. took from this podcast. That would changed be three the, things, ultimate, the ultimate fantasy.
0: It would be. <laughs> general fantasy comes in and he's like well you know the rules and i'm like you wrote them (laughs) (laughs) um but i do think you can you can even if it's a little way even if it's tiny it Uh, doesn't have to be a major change
1: do we think that people sometimes concentrate too much on you know the major change, like perfection you know, o- over or over the also, good or whatever that well, quote also is. the idea of flying the flag for things you maybe can't control, where you could. I mean, like what think? I mean, it's what is is that what think globally act locally is? Yeah, right? yeah. But it is that kind of idea, right? Is that idea of going well? Uh, maybe you can't do anything personally in your life to save the climate. Say, yeah. The, for example. You know, you recycle, you do whatever you can, but in a general sense, you can't do more than you can that's going to take oil companies and governments and, you know, blah, 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 right? Right. But you could not be an asshole to your barista. Right. For example, you know. Or
0: for instance, and I was tweeting about this the other day in a rage, not a rage, but it's like one of those things that drives me crazy is I'll see all these people and they're like, resist. And like they're fighting for these people online and they're fighting for like the random transgender person they don't even know or whatever, which is fine. Go fight that fight, but I volunteer at assisted livings and it's a lot of grandparents who never see those kids. And it's like, go see your fucking grandma. You want to change the world? You want to be a good person? You want to save somebody who's feeling alone and scared? Go see your grandma who's literally at the bus stop of death. The fucking nursing home. That, and
1: is, that is the line that I got defeated <laughs> in the roast battle by. That was literally word for word. That's what they said. That's actually yeah, the go and see, Go and see your grandmother. That's
0: the assisted living. Um, that's their trademark slogan too. <laughs> the bus stop of death. <laughs> Those places are horrible. And the, oh, yeah, the l- more um, economically challenged you are, the worse right. they are. And, or go volunteer at one of those places for people. In my instance, I go see people who don't have any kids or any next of kin. So they're just alone and they don't have anyone and, or go be a big brother, a big sister and help. There's so much you can do within your, I mean, mother Teresa said it, so this is nothing new. She was like, help you know you it starts with like the people closest to you if you're not a good brother or a sister and you're online tweeting about the fucking whatever you might be like virtue signaling that day you're you're a douchebag you're just a piece of shit on your couch who is acting like you're something that you're not and that is something that i get very frustrated with is this big disconnect
1: now, it was uh dirtbag shitbag Mother Teresa direct quote was that <laughs> yeah that, oh, that that's was, Mother Teresa's quote oh, that was Mother Teresa yeah, yeah, okay. I just I was, I was like, a little confused <laughs> about where the quote ended or not I was like Mother Teresa said someone was a shitbag dirtbag I mean I did hear she I had heard some controversial opinions I heard that she was kind of a piece of yeah, shit, yeah, actually
0: is, I yeah, have heard bit of ra-
1: I think there's some racism involved there as well there's I think <laughs> she had some she had some controversial opinions probably did some slut shaming who did it I imagine she did some slut shaming though oh, I can't imagine that oh, Mother totally. Teresa was very sex positive my mom's
0: still sends me yeah. cards and they have mother I mean it was like we grew up and this is the kind of fucking psychological warfare I was brought up with we were raised when we were bad I'm almost five and we that we were close in age so it must have been a shit show I really don't know how my mom did it but I do kind of know how she did it she didn't ground us or spank us like when we were bad she's like all right into the living room, we're watching the Mother Teresa videos. And we would have to watch hours of Mother Teresa feeding the poor. And if we were really bad, we had to watch the Gandhi biopic. And I'm like, who weaponizes Mother Teresa? <laughs> and to this day, I'll still get, like, cards from my mom with the Mother Teresa stamp. And I always take a picture and, like, tweet it, to text it to all my siblings. Like, there it is. It's like a Pavlovian trigger. I'm like, we're being bad. This is her way of telling us we're being bad. It was (laughs) fucked up. But we'd be like Uh, little kids. Like, I was 11, so the young ones were young. And we'd be like, no, not the Mother Teresa videos. (laughs) (laughs) Spank us, the belt, anything. Anything but four hours of feeding the poor. (laughs) I wonder what that did to me. Uh,
1: all right. Now, uh, six? Are okay. we up to number yep. six? Is no, that we're what going. we're up to? We're
0: cruising now. Yeah. Um, no, that was six. You can't oh, that change was the six.
1: world. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right.
0: And then seven and eight are are connected. Okay. Create and believe. Like cre- It's just create. Uh-huh. Create something. Create yep. a family. Create. I think that we... We are given for in my experience, when I'm not creating, I am wildly self-destructing that creative energy turns against me and I start to truly self-destruct and I, I there are two sides of the same coin creating and destroying. And I think that when we're not creating that's when, you know, you see kids getting into trouble and it's like they do all these studies like, oh, if you give kids arts and like all the, the ability to like build stuff, they don't get into gangs and they don't get in trouble. And when you put give put kids in sport, it's just like, I feel like a lot of trouble comes from misdirected creative energy. Or- well, I mean, it's
1: that thing at the heart of it is that like so many people and so many of our motivations are us being torn between the desire to create and the desire to destroy and like we see it in the same things we've talked about you know yeah. people you, you put something you make something you put it up on youtube you write an article it goes out to the internet there'll be as many people like that's your act of creation <laughs> yeah and then there are some people whose act in that moment will be to destroy it <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean <laughs> that's, that's their
0: creative act that's their creative yeah. act and they do get very creative in their verbiage. I will give them that. And sometimes
1: seeing someone destroy something, by the way, like, I mean, some of those...
0: It is an uh, act of creation, And you weirdly. can see
1: Jim Jeffries destroy gun nuts, or you can see yeah. John, John Oliver destroy anti-vaxxers. It doesn't have to be, like, it's not like destroying necessarily means like but there is something that people find that is intoxicating about the act of destruction it's why kids like smashing oh yeah
0: stuff. but i think the act of creating is an act of destruction you have to, kind like I said, they're two sides of the same wow. coin. So in the very act, destruction is in and of itself an act of creation. In the same way that creation, when you're making something, you're also, you know, if you make something new and bring something new into the world, like Google or whatever, anything, really a new joke, you're destroying some old idea that was there. And it's something, anytime something new comes, there's a loss. There's a loss. I, I, there's a, it's, they're the it is the same coin it's like anxiety and depression (laughs) they're just the same it's like they they're constantly kind of at at play with one another that dance I mean it's the whole like Shiva and Shakti it's the the dance of the universe is that never-ending flow of creation and destruction but when I say create mostly I mean like if you want to make something, make something, you know, you want to build, build and believe that you can do it. That's why believe is there. I I had to really struggle against my own self-doubt and all of that fear and all of the things that hold us back from that plan A and put us up in settling for plan B, which I think ends up in a miserable half-life, like that quote from my favorite movie ever, um... The Strictly Ballroom. You probably grew up with it.
1: Oh, we were raised on it. And I love us. it. We have eight, but men, I love eight the, movies.
0: <laughs> That's my favorite <laughs> Three movie. Three of them
1: have Paul Hogan in yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And
0: the other one is, their other four, are ba- Lerman, yeah. yeah. So and I this, love that a life lived Yahoo in series. fear That's is it. a life half lived. That's, yeah. I mean, create and believe and just go, go for it. I think that those two more mean just don't be afraid to, it all points to the same thing, really. It's like, if you feel like you have this desire to knit vagina hats in you, look at how far that can go when you really believe in yourself.
1: I mean, it is one of those things that say six months ago, if you were sitting around knitting vagina hats, <laughs> somebody might've thought this is not a viable business, but it's turned into a really viable business, vagina hats. You never know where the and next big is going to And you never really, really know.
0: Like who would have known that person? She probably was like one day and nobody believed <laughs> right, her. Right, nobody
1: believed in her dream. She's the, <laughs> she's the Steve Jobs of vagina hats.
0: She saw what no one else could see. Right. And now look. I mean, I think that's the perfect example. Okay,
1: all right, great. That was seven and eight.
0: Trust your mistakes. Okay. This trust your big mi- one. Okay,
1: now, okay, well, what does this mean? What do you mean by trust your mistakes?
0: Um, trust your mistakes means that you're learning lessons you don't know you need necessarily for later. Trust that you made a mistake. It's not everything happens for a reason because I kind of really really believe that just everything happens. Like life, the German poet Rilke said, life is always right. That is the crux of everything, I believe. And it is the same of just like accept what is, the Buddhist idea. But trust your mistakes is really an offshoot of that. It's like trust that those mistakes that you made that you might be beating yourself up for, like you said, oh, well, you made a mistake. Like, just live with it. But in that mistake, you grew, you learned something, you got a piece of knowledge. I went bankrupt with Phetasy, and I was 26 and didn't have a business plan, but now that I'm rebooting it and working with the biz- business, I learned so much from that bankruptcy, so much more than I would have learned had I not had that experience. So I know so much more of what not to do, I mean, my whole life is just really a long tale of here's what not to do. I can't, I can't tell you what to do, but I can tell you right. what not to do. Yeah, I've
1: made a long list of things <laughs> not to do. I'm really doing a process of trust my mistakes yeah, yeah.
0: so you don't make them.
1: I mean, that's that. To be honest, in some ways, that's it would be a much more honest way to start a sort of religion or like a self-help sort of program is that idea of going, look, I'm not saying I have the answers. That's what I'm starting today. (laughs) But I've ruled out a lot of other things. Yeah. Here's the things I've ruled out. I thought that's what we were starting today. Well, I'm not going to give you a list of 10 things to do. I'm going to give you a list of 5,000 things (laughs) not to do. Yeah.
0: Well, I feel like that is most religions. (laughs) Here's what you can't do. But yeah, so I think that that one is All really right. more just like trust. It, and Steve Jobs had that really brilliant um, the commencement speech he gave of like, you can't connect the dots looking forward. It It feels a little bit like that. Like what you think might be a mistake might lead you to a place or give you knowledge that, you know, ten years down the road, you're like, oh, thank God, I like got fired from my corporation and learned calligraphy.
1: Yeah, turns out grandma couldn't knit, and the hat looked a bit <laughs> like a vagina, and now she's a billionaire. <laughs> so,
0: so who would have thought? Who knows? Twitter came right? from a mistake. Yeah. Um, the whole thing CRISPR, which don't even get me started on that. It's all about DNA and sequencing and whatnot, and editing DNA. That all came from a mistake. They were studying the. DNA of E. Coli, and then they were like, "Oh, we figured out how to edit genes."
1: Well, so, so many of our evolutions, like penicillin, you know, and they they come from mistakes as yeah. well. Yeah, you know, some so, sometimes things evolve. Yeah, because a mistake was made that made it then better. But it often often isn't necessarily like, hey, we need to see better. Therefore, someone just develops better sight. It doesn't necessarily work like that. Often it can be a mistake that leads to an evolution or those sort of, I mean, for example, I read a really interesting article the other day. And look, again, I just read that article and... This, this, it was only speculative at best, even the article itself, so please don't take this as being a black and white thing. But they were talking about the idea that um, autism in the information age, in the world we're going to live in, some of the brain facets from the way that your autistic mind works might are actually better. have benefits. I've said this for 10 years. I, people accessing information now. Yeah. So it might be one of those things... That, you know, it might not be like, hey, everyone will have to, like, but that there might be part of that gene that gets passed on because it helps people in the, wor- in
0: I the world. I think it's the brain in evolution. That's been my theory since I worked with autistic kids. I'm like, I think it's just the brain evolving and we can't see it because we can't see the big picture. But when you look at how these kids function in terms of tech, the technological world that we're moving into, which, by the way, in 100 years is going to be nutso. They are, be, their brains are more set up for functioning in that world. Right. And their emotional, you know, they're like, everyone's like, oh, they don't make eye contact and they don't trust people. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. that might be something they need later. You know, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. We don't
1: know. <laughs> because we're creating this world already where you can have these, you know, virtual identities. Yeah. The idea that somebody needs to make eye contact with somebody <laughs> in the real world. Yeah. Might not be something they need we to. We don't know. Yeah, it's fine
0: um then there's there's no going back okay that's just yeah a fact. That's, but that is that's just fact
1: that is a heart one of the hardest ones to remember mm-hmm. and but also like in the moment like you know when you fuck like something up in the moment it's already done yeah like it's done yeah now there may be consequences of that thing that you just fucked up that mistake you made or whatever it is i'm just using mistake as an example but like you know say for example let's just use something really boring you're running late. You got stuck in the traffic because mm-hmm. you didn't leave in time. Well, you can't go back and leave in on time now anyway. Yeah. So you can beat yourself up a certain point, but you've now just got to deal with the scenario yeah. of how it's going to turn out. You getting really angry at yourself for the next 20 minutes of the drive isn't going to make the drive no. further.
0: Or your roommate or whatever, which I yeah. found myself doing the other day where I was just like, oh, I'm mad at myself. I was mad at myself. We should have left. And then I'd, and then again, trust me. I have to take my own philosophy. I'm like, I have to just trust that we'll get there when we get there and that it's exactly the way it should be. It's happening the way it should be happening because this is the way it's happening. So there's no other way for it to happen. I have to trust that this is the only way for it, that it's, you know, that everything happens for a reason. It's like, well, everything happens. So... There doesn't need reason as a human construct. We yeah. don't need to. It's just everything happens and then therefore it happens. <laughs> so that is the way it should happen. We don't need a reason for it. It's just yeah. the way it is. And I do. But I'll, I'm will i human and not the fucking Buddhist saint or Mother Teresa or whoever. So I'll get angry and be sitting in traffic. And then I I think Pablo, Paulo Coelho wrote um, this book. It wasn't The Alchemist. There was another one of it, The Pilgrimage, I think, in it. But he talks about how, you know, when you're late, thank your angel, thank your angels. When it seems like the world is like you're hitting every red light, or you forget your umbrella and need to walk back to the car, it's really like the bigger angels looking forward and helping you avert a car accident. Who who knows? Like yeah. whatever. I I don't know about any of that stuff. But there is, you know. Einstein said coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. And I do think that there there is. uh, I don't know all the near death times I've narrowly avoided death because I was late or because I've, you know, like when you think of the little weird things that have to line up when you run into someone randomly, like I saw Ari Shafir at a random back road in Dublin when I was in Dublin. And it was like, I just happened to turn around at the moment that he walked by. And I think of all the fucking little decisions that we had to make for that one moment to happen in that one time. And it's like, it's exquisitely perfect and ridiculous in a way that I can't get my mind around.
1: Yeah. I like that. That's good. All right. And the last one, the last, we're at the last one. Well, thank you very much. I, I think I, now I'm going to be really disappointed if everybody doesn't bring a manifesto with them. A if what? A manifesto. <laughs> That's what I That's what it's it. A, it is a manifesto. It, it will become a manifesto. Oh, it's called the, yeah. Fe-
0: it's the Phetasy Manifesto. Oh, I have, there you go. I have 11. <laughs> for every one of these 11 points, I also have we the people of Phetasy. It, oh, is yeah. <laughs> a, <laughs> it is a religion, I just realized. Oh, God. Well, 11 is none of this matters, but yes. all of it does. Okay. So in the scheme of things, none of this matters. Me show. sometimes people make really big deal because I show my boobies online and I'm like, none of this fucking matters. Who gives a shit? But also, like you can change the world, all of it kind of matters. It matters mostly to the people who are close to you in that little dash like life in the day when i was a little kid i and i'll end on this when i was a little kid i had a, like i guess they told me <laughs> are you wrapping up do, do I'm you wrap, wrap, i feel like uh,
1: i'm sorry, talking I, I, I just gave, I'm i just i'm <laughs> like, you're literally like you're closing here is it and i'll finish on this one so, so the waitresses get My ready to drop the check sense so like, of anyway, timing just like I, I, anyway then i'll finish up on this one uh
0: Finally. I will end on this. (laughs) I was a little kid and I was walking through the woods and I used to do this a lot in Connecticut. And they have all these old gravestones from like this, you know, way back in the very early colonial days. And I ran into one and it said, John Smith, whatever, beloved father, son, and like husband. And I started imagining, because I was always making up worlds in my mind, all these like, what was he like as a husband? What was your life like? And churning butter and whatever my limited ten nine or ten year old mind could imagine for that time and then i realized that his whole life and everything i was imagining was happening in that little dash that was between the two dates and then i realized that i was in my dash and i went home and i was like inconsolable and my parents are like what do we fucking do with this little weirdo kid like they, my mom always like I was raised with everyone being like, stop being so deep, Bridget. Stop being so deep. Stop thinking so much. Like, and it was like, and when I went and told this story on an ashram in Australia, and the guru guy was like, oh, we call that a, a Buddha awakening. <laughs> So apparently I had some Buddha awakening at nine, but I could not. They couldn't make me feel better. I was like, "Run the dash, yeah. run the dash." And they're like, "They didn't know what autism was back then." They, but I they, probably would have been diagnosed. They also with
1: had a better philosophy, which was, "You know what? <laughs> <laughs> you, this is too much to think." You're about. You're gonna cry about a bridge, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're really gonna think about this, you're gonna yeah just.
0: You're gonna go crazy. Yeah. Go play with your Barbies. Yeah, exactly. And so, distract yourself. But I never forgot it ever. <laughs> this is
1: life. It's terrifying. Please don't think about it. Terrifying. Yeah.
0: And they were terrified. Yeah. You know, it's not fun for adults when little kids no. say those things that remind you of yeah. your like fleeting existential. It's like, like oh, <laughs> we had you so we didn't have to
1: concentrate on those questions ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. You're literally our distraction.
0: Yeah. Thanks for reminding me that yeah. I'm going to die and none of this matters. And it's all it going to end up every big thing. So I think that none of this matters in the big. In big scheme of things yeah. but you can affect those people that are close to you, you can affect someone's life um that uh, whether it's a kid or whether it's someone you volunteer with or a friend or a lover or, or whatever and that you can't affect that very small circle in your dash if you manage to exist outside of that little dash which most of us won't if you manage to go beyond that great and change the world in like this macro cosmic way, fantastic. But most of us, you know, it is about just kind of being a good person, like in real time. That's, that's all I know. I don't really know much else. That's
1: a good way to end. Uh, tell people about stuff where they can find you. Oh, just all Bridget fantasy
0: online. P H E T A S Bridget. B R I D G E T P H E T A S Y. You can find me on playboy. I have a column, just the tips where I tell everyone what to do, <laughs> undermining every bit of my message on this podcast. And I talk about sex and relationships. I have a podcast, Benched.
1: It's very good. It's very, Thank I like you. it. I like it a lot. It's a very good podcast. Everyone's
0: like, this is the most vulnerable podcast online. <laughs> and Ken's trying to be like more of a man, my co host. He's like, I'm not going to be such a bitch. And I was like, okay, Ken, whatever. We love you for your. He's so open. So we talk about, we interview people. You should come on. We talk about relationships, past relationships, where they're at. With their relationship or dating or whatever. And um, you can find me on Patreon if you want to subscribe. It's kind of like my online journal. And I also show my boobs and butt.
1: (laughs) Wow. I mean, there you go. Why wouldn't you want to be involved with that? Uh, uh, I have other podcasts, Tofop, Fofop, and uh, Two Guys, One Cup, our AFL podcast. Uh, So, if you haven't listened to any of those, you can find all those at Tofop.com. That's where all the podcasts are. So, um, check those out. And uh, I know that we complained about people rating and reviewing things, but this is the world we live in. So, if you want to rate and review this, like, it means that more people find out about it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Rate and review. You don't
1: have to believe in... Like, Here's the thing. We've talked about this earlier. Just, it doesn't, like... Just you don't even have to believe it. Just give it give it a good rating, <laughs> boost Five up stars. the numbers. This yeah. is the algorithm the world works on. Yeah, it's a terrible algorithm, and let's lure some people in who won't really like this based on your. We're trying to
0: find that dictator that we're going to inspire out there.
1: Yeah, we're starting things. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure, and thank, thank you so you for much having for me. doing the podcast.